How's everybody feeling on this Tuesday, October 5th? Welcome in to Sports 1140 KHDK. Glad you're here with us. Jason Ross here with you. And uh, looking forward to a good day. Three hours of fun over the next uh, couple of hours here. We take you till 6. And wait, we don't have a sporting event after the show today. That's a rarity. We've just been filled with football games, baseball games, NBA games to come. It's uh, just a traditional three-hour show, and we look forward to that. Love doing this. Uh, Appreciate these three hours a day, every day with you guys out there. Thank you so much for those that listen all the time. Uh, The feedback I get, I I really, truly do appreciate that. It means a lot, and uh, it's been fun, even uh, navigating our way here since since we lost that uh, now assistant coach, Doug Christie, uh, who left us a little while ago. But it was fun to watch the Kings last night. Of course, we will get into that today. We've got a lot of NBA to cover today. Uh, the NBA GM survey comes out once a year, and it's what all the general managers think, and they get polled under different topics and questions. And, you know, sometimes I think some of the GMs take it very seriously. Others may not, but we'll still go over what was uncovered there today. That's coming up at 3.30. Uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, obviously, we will. Uh, it's a new week has been completed in the NFL. And we've got to give you our new top five, bottom five. After the Raiders stumbled, leaving just one undefeated team left. Remember, after last week, there were five undefeated teams, five winless teams. Well, it changes every week. And more damage and carnage was left behind this week. So we'll give you the NFL top five, bottom five. That's coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Also... In the 4 o'clock hour. Oh, by the way, the baseball playoffs, the best baseball of the year is coming up. And it begins today with a one-game wild card in the American League. And uh, the Yankees and Red Sox start a rivalry. Now they continue their rivalry tonight. Fenway Park, one game to move on to take on the best team in the American League, the Rays. Uh, But it should be a fun matchup today. Garrett Cole, Nathan Evaldi uh, go tonight. Both uh, teams can hit. Both teams finished pretty good, I would say. Uh, at the end of the year. So we will get into that with Greg Vaughn. He will join us at 4.30. Greg was a guest co-host with us uh, uh, several weeks back, but he said, hey, hit me up when the playoffs come around. Well, the playoffs are here. We're going to check in with Greg Vaughn at 4.30, tap into his experience there, what he likes going forward, and kind of get his uh, knowledge and base and who he's picking because we know the Giants, they're in. They're waiting on the Dodgers-Cardinals winner, which the NL wildcard will take place tomorrow. So those things we will ponder and ask Greg Vaughn. Also, we got to do a deeper dive into, yeah, it's one preseason game, but our takeaways from the first preseason game, which took place last night, and some good, not really a lot of bad. I mean, I I say it all the time. I don't really care if you win in the preseason or lose. I mean, you could lose every game, but if you're losing every game and you're not looking good, that's the concern. I I didn't care if, you know, like at the end of the game last night, the, the backups were kind of giving up the, the lead. I thought, oh, this would be kind of interesting if the Suns end up winning this game. It, it was irrelevant. Kings ended up winning it relatively comfortably, but there's a time where it got down to a little bit of a of a danger spot. Luke Walton wasn't going to bring the, the starters or the, the core guys back in. But the point being is if you lose all your preseason games, but you, you don't see anything or you don't feel optimistic, that's concerning. For example, last year, Phoenix lost all their preseason games. They had one heck of a year. So I think the preseason is irrelevant. It's about staying healthy executing and uh, going forward and feeling good about what you've got when the season starts in just a couple of weeks. So we've got that to get into today. Also the crossover. So there's a lot to go. All sports are being covered today. Let's do it. Let's start you out with first things first. First things first. Close things first. 
Davion Mitchell driving and kicking to the corner. Bagley's open. The rainbow three. No good. Len with a back tap. Gets it out the heel. Hooks a pass inside to Bagley, and he scores. Boy, that was a beautiful left-hand heave, almost a touch-type pass from Buddy Heald, right on target for the easy stick from Marvin Bagley. Some nice plays last night. That was the G-Man right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Great to hear him. Great to be in action. Great to be working the broadcast. To see people out at Golden One Center. The doors were open. It was a nice night. Good night to basketball. Good night to see the team. I know Coach Walton said, hey, hey, don't look too much into the starting lineup. We're going to look at a lot of different lineups. I think that's the lineup to start the season. And it was Harrison Barnes with Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, Tyrese Halliburton, and De'Aaron Fox. I liked it. I like that five. The first two that came in off the bench, Davion Mitchell and Buddy Heald. Now they immediately went smaller. I think the two that went out were, might have been Halliburton and Bagley. So Barnes kind of slid to the four. Home stayed in. Now you're playing Heald, Mitchell, and Fox. And the Kings played 11 players primarily early. We also saw Tristan Thompson, Mo Harkless, and Terrence Davis play. Uh, even Alex Len, right? That's the 11 that got the majority of the run until the the tail end of the game. So early observations on the Sacramento Kings, and like I said, we'll do a little deeper dive on them at 5 o'clock. But I think they're ahead of where they have been, and now what does that mean? Well, let's think about a couple years ago, Luke Walton's first year. So you're trans- transitioning into a new coach, and the team went to India. There's just some – I mean, it was part of the schedule. It's not – why they were bad or had a, had a tough season. But you think about continuity wasn't really there at that time. Last year, with just the unique time we were all going through and when was the season going to start and not much of a training camp and even Tyrese Halliburton, a, a rookie they were excited about, didn't get Vegas Summer League and some of those things. So they just kind of started and went and got and got going. Well, this year, I mean, you think about the starting lineup last night, Barnes, Bagley, Holmes, Halliburton, Fox all have played together, and all some of those have played a lot of basketball together. You're adding Mitchell, you're adding Thompson, you're adding Alex Len, but Terrence Davis and Maharkless were at the end of last year, and Buddy Heald's been in a ton of games with this group. So I feel like they are ahead just on the continuity side of things. The Kings have changed a couple of coaches. We know, of course, Doug is in there now, Mike Longabardi in there as well. But there is a lot of continuity across the board for the Sacramento Kings. So I think when you start camp, and if your emphasis is defense, you can really lock in on that as opposed to other schemes and just getting familiarized with with people's game. So I think the Kings are just starting the year in a better position. And in one preseason game, again, we don't care if they win or lose, but you're out there competing. They led the, the bulk of the game. There's a couple of early lead changes, but the Kings last night were the better team. Now, I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, Chris Paul didn't play. Devin Booker didn't play. Jay Crowder didn't play. But what did the Kings look like while they played? And I would say good. Certainly things can be shored up. I love how well they rebounded. I think their assist number was a little bit low for my liking. Turnovers a tad bit high, but that's a bit expected. And some of that came near the end of the game um, with some of the reserve guys that, that are going to play less. But kind of that core group and the versatility of the lineup, you can see it having some potential. I mean, you really could. So um, one game, they'll play again tomorrow in L.A. against the Clippers and another further evaluation on what we're seeing 
from the squad. But so far, so good. In just a short amount of camp, short amount of time, still more time to work. They travel today to get to L.A., and then uh, we'll see what they do against the Clippers. Then there's just two more preseason games. Schedule jumps right out of the page, right off the books against uh, some good Western Conference teams. And if Kings think they've got anything, they're going to have to beat some of these teams that we go, man, it's Phoenix and Utah and Portland and the Lake. Yeah, that's all on board. Who, if, if the Kings are going to end that playoff drought, they got to replace somebody. Who is it? So uh, those are some of the things we'll discuss as the show rolls along. But so far, one game, not bad for the Sacramento Kings. First things first. All right, baseball wild card is all set up, and the Sunday gave us this. 2-2, line drive. Here comes Wade. Here's the throw. He's safe, and the Yankees walk off into the postseason. Well, they knew that. They're waiting to see what would happen next, and then this happened for the Red Sox. Ball and two on Soto, and here it comes. Breaking ball. Struck him out, and the Red Sox have won the top wild card position. They knock off Washington. They sweep the series 7-5, to five, the final. And the celebration begins here in D.C. All right, so Yankees, Red Sox. A lot of people, I'm sure, are exhausted and tired of that rivalry. That game's always on. Yeah, it is. It's, it, they play all the time, obviously, being in the same division. But now in a bite size, one game, winner take all, probably easier for... The casual fan, a non-Red Sox, a non-Yankee fan to take in, to consume, to get started with the baseball postseason. I love it. I love this matchup. I'm glad that it's not going to be a series because someone that has watched a lot of Yankee baseball and seemingly when they play the Red Sox, a regular nine-inning game goes five hours with these two. This is going to be a long game tonight. Even if there's good pitching with uh, both sides, this should be a long baseball game. And we'll talk about it more with Greg Vaughn when he joins us at 4.30. But Evaldi for Boston, Garrett Cole for the Yankees. Boston, when you think about them getting here, I I think Boston has had better teams and better versions. I I know they would love to have a fully up and running and healthy Chris Sale. He came in at the end of the year and showed a, a, a little bit of flash at times. For the Yankees side of things, or one more thing on Boston too, They've got a lot of veterans, a lot of kind of patchwork veterans that they've uh, attached to that team. Schwarber, um, Kiki Hernandez, not old-time veterans, but guys that have been in meaningful baseball playoff games. Those are the kind of guys I think to watch out for tonight that have been in those moments, and the Red Sox have too. I mean, they're not that far removed from from the World Series, but they've got some pieces there that have been in these battles, and the Yankees, they're too or basically three biggest high-paid guns are are going to be involved tonight. One is Garrett Cole, and the other two are Stanton and Judge. And Stanton and Judge right now are actually both mashing at the same time, which hasn't happened a lot in their paired career in New York. So we'll see, because pitching can can stifle all this hitting. And the other thing that I think has changed the most in the baseball postseason in the last couple of years is how quickly games get to the bullpen. And if you've got a bullpen that maybe a guy just goes one inning, but those high leverage situations that they talk about, and it could be at any inning. A lot of times we've always recognized that as the eighth and ninth inning. Well, maybe the third inning is the key inning. And if like Tampa Bay, they'll they'll compute it that way and say, all right, we've got to put in our best pitcher here in the third inning to shut this down and keep this at zero and then let our offense go. And maybe that eighth and ninth isn't as high leverage and stressful 
as it is in other games. So it's it's done a little bit differently. Baseball has has changed things um, throughout their course of the the I will say the growth of the sport. When some people say there's been absolutely zero growth in baseball, and that is to be debated. But you know, between shifting, uh, now it's basically home run or strikeout. But bullpens bullpens will be critical uh, come postseason time. Um, also today, as the show rolls along, when the first game gets or the only game goes, it's the Red Sox, it's the Yankees. So, Chris, you told me you put together, uh, what are these, a couple of sounders for the game? Yeah, so if something happens in the game, say like Yankees take the lead, Red Sox take the lead, we can play something to let people know what's coming up. Okay, so I'm a little bit nervous because you've created this, and you don't really like the Red Sox anymore, do you? No. Okay, but there was a time that was your team. I don't like the owners. Okay. If that changed, would you be back? Why are you a Red Sox fan anymore? Why were you? No, Mar. Oh, yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Um, but you still like- one of those like athletes that I still get nervous to meet. That's kind of cool though. Yeah. Like so if Nomar came in studio, you'd be like ten year old Chris Verlock. Yeah, I'd be fanboy. Yeah. Hey, hey. Hey, remember Nomar? that time? Remember that time? <laughs> Would you um so let's pretend Nomar's is a guest co host today. How are you comfortable getting an autograph? Do you want an autograph? Do you want a picture? Do you just, just want us to talk to him? Picture and talk to him. Yeah. You don't care about the autograph. No. Yeah. I think picture's the better deal anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if you think about it, autograph started because, like, people didn't have cameras every anywhere. True. So this is how you prove that you met someone famous. Yeah. And now an autograph, sadly, unless you're interested in selling it, like, yeah, you'd have it, but I think the picture would mean more to you yeah. than an autograph. Okay. So you've created a Red Sox sounder if they go up and score and or the, a Yankee sounder. So should I play these now to test them out? Yeah, and I, I shouldn't have labeled them because I'm like, oh, will you be able to tell which one is which? Oh, yeah. Uh, these are clean, right? Yes. Okay, so this will be if the Red Sox yes. have a good highlight or a good something good to say about. He went yacht on that one! Okay. I hope we don't hear that one that much as a Yankee fan. Okay. I'm nervous about You're hoping to hear the other one more. (sighs) Not sure. Here we go. This is our Yankees update sounder. Oh, forget about it. (laughs) Okay. I I was anticipating something worse. Okay. We'll get ready for those. Not everything is a joke on you. I know, but. Sometimes I just want to make the show better. Okay. This worked. Where did you get that stuff? And make it. Those are you? No. Oh, the first one is uh, from Saturday Night Live, um, Horatio Sands. Let's hear that one again. The Red Sox? No, this is the Yankees. Okay, here's the Yankees. This is Horatio Sands, the voice we hear. Yes. Oh, forget about it. I hear it now. All right, don't. Will I know the second voice? I don't know if you've seen the movie. Okay, let me see if I can hear it again now, Boston. He went yacht on that one. Uh, is it Fever Pitch? No. Okay, no. It's Inglorious Bastards. Oh, I've not. Donnie Donowitz. And that's from there. Yeah. Okay. It's one of the only like sections that I could not get a curse word in it. And of course, you remember that you're like, oh, I'm going to use that clip. I was Donnie Donowitz for Halloween one year. Of course you were. Of course you were. All right, so Major League Baseball postseason begins today. Listen for those sounders when that game gets going uh, shortly after 5 o'clock. First things first. First things first. First. 
Bar empty. Looking left. Throwing left. Intercepted! Picked off by Derwin James! You said Derwin was going to make the play of the game, and there it is. One last knee for Justin Herbert, and the Chargers win. They knock off the Raiders. They knock them out of the ranks of the unbeaten, and they climb to the top of the AFC West with back-to-back -back victories over division opponents. 28-14. Yep, that was a double-digit win, two-score victory, a brutal first half by the Raiders. Absolutely brutal. And the irony is they had said, we're going to start faster, we need to start faster. They've had too many slow starts, and they had the weather delay. How about that? A rain or a lightning delay in Los Angeles in a dome stadium. But that's what they had. And the Raiders were just slow to the party, very slow to the party. They got momentum, though, with those two second-half scores, got a stop, and had the ball. There's some key plays that we're going to talk about when we dive deeper into this game. But um, they, weren't, they shouldn't have won. I'm not saying the Raiders should, shouldn't have won this game at all. They, they, were in a, they weren't the better team yesterday. The Chargers, Herbert was smooth and comfortable. Eckler had a career-high rushing, and the Chargers made far more plays. Now, the Raiders showed some grit and some toughness in coming back and putting themselves in a position to maybe steal that game. But something I talked about yesterday that I'm going to continue to praise the Chargers about. Not only are they a good team, and they've been, I think, what, 7-1 and one in their last eight games. I, I'm becoming quickly becoming a huge fan of Coach Daly. I think the aggressive nature that he coaches by helps them. Helped them a week ago. They're bold moves. He says, ah, they're, they're maybe risky, but uh, there's sound judgment behind them. But if you tend to coach aggressively, your team will appreciate it. They'll play that way. It keeps the other team on the toes. You can't be afraid of failure. And I think Staley is going for it. He has shown trust in his team. And there's a couple of plays we'll highlight. And the difference, really, between Gruden and Staley yesterday that I think impacted the game, even while the Raiders dug themselves such a huge hole at 21 to nothing. So we'll kind of do a, di a deeper dive into that. But the Raiders dropped their first game. The division is just muddied now, right? The Chiefs are in last, but everybody still thinks that's the best team. They're 2-2. Two and two. You get the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers now all at 3-1, and one. but for L.A., the Chargers, the last two weeks beating the Chiefs and the Raiders, they've got a big leg up right now with a long, long way to go, but good for the Chargers to get that win yesterday. First things first. First things first. All right, this is getting worse, and it's not a surprise. Urban Meyer and his time in Jacksonville. He's still the coach. He's still the coach. For now? With a question mark? For now? Um, let's, let's go back. If you don't know the story by now, Urban Meyer and the Jags played on Thursday night. They lost to Cincinnati, a game they honestly probably should have won. Should have had the breakthrough. Didn't happen. So afterwards, team flies back from Cincinnati to home. Normal thing to do there. Uh, Urban Meyer elected to not go back with the team. And here's where this is really tricky for me, because I truly believe there needs to be probably more of a life sports balance. Now, with that said, when you say you're going to go to Columbus and visit your grandkids, yet, which, cool. It's awesome. You got a day to play with here or so before you get back and go to work, right? If you're telling your teammates and your players, do everything you can to make the team better, to work hard, to uh, to find a way to break through. I'm not saying you need to be on football 24-7, but then you go to Columbus 
And then, of course, what happens, you return to your restaurant. We've seen the video, or if you haven't, but the, the viral video where he's has a, a a female that's dancing close to his lap in the bar. and uh, <laughs> Very close. Yeah, very, very close. And you know what? Let me just have Urban Meyer uh, talk about his apology for the video. I just apologize to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction. It's stupid. And so I explained everything that happened and owned it. And, you know, just stupid. Uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. Okay. I don't know that you say you owned it. That's for someone else. That's for the people you're apologizing to. You, you, he did apologize. And by all accounts, people, I say ownership, believed his sincerity. But there is a trust issue right now that is going on. And here's more from Urban Meyer. I've dealt with this, not on the other side, but with staff members and with other things, and I've dealt with it. So to say I'm concerned, yeah, I am concerned, but I just got to, you know, do right. Well, it's not looking as good today with what has been said. Shad Khan um, publicly reprimanded Coach Urban Meyer for his behavior over the weekend. Uh, Here's his quote. I've addressed this matter with Urban. Specifics of our conversation will be held in confidence. What I will say is his conduct last weekend was inexcusable. I appreciate Urban's remorse, which I believe is sincere. Now he must regain our trust and respect. That will require a personal commitment from Urban to everyone who supports, represents, or plays for our team. I am confident he will deliver. I'm not. I'm not. He, um, by all accounts, there's other people that have written about this that said players in the locker room, he he addressed people more of kind of like in position groups, not collectively as a team. I think players weren't necessarily buying it or even kind of laughed as he reportedly exited some of these meetings. And the difference, though, of where Urban might get the benefit here is in college – Players can tank, in a sense, to get your coach removed. The NFL, as much as we've heard NFL, you know, the players run these leagues, there is truth in that. But the NFL, without guaranteed contracts, players have tape and video they have to play for. Like, you know, if you – people may know that's a a tricky situation in Jacksonville, but if they see you quit and you're trying to go play for the Steelers – or for the Rams or the Niners or the Packers or whatever team you want to go play to or impress, you've got to play hard. You've got to continue to fight. All the things that Urban Meyer is probably telling his team to do, even if they don't fully believe in him. And one of the biggest pieces that he should want supporting him is his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And Lawrence hasn't come out and said anything negative that I've heard as of now. But I found it interesting when Urban Meyer is trying to explain his way through this lost weekend in Columbus. He said, oh, yeah, you know, another time I think I, I warned my quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, when he was going to Vegas for a bachelor party that strange things. Can- I mean, you're just basically bringing him in to situations that you didn't even avoid yourself. So I think it was a curious hire from the beginning. They're 0-4. That certainly doesn't help. And when your owner comes out to say that, this is just a recipe for disaster. The best thing that can happen is that for them to win, and I think they got a talent issue. Uh, Urban Meyer can coach. That's that's not the question.
but is this the right fit? And in college, you can just keep recruiting and recruiting, and you're building off a name and people. And look at the trail that he had in some of his different spots for Urban Meyer. Scandals in different areas, but you know, in college, you keep winning, eh, it's fine. Jacksonville's not winning. And he just started, and no one's expected this monumental turnaround in year one. But you certainly are not helping with the actions of last weekend or last Friday, let's say, in Columbus. So his run in Jacksonville is already on thin ice. Ownership and players are having to talk about their coach on whether or not they're buying in still or believe in him or think they're in the right position. Other accounts suggest that, yes, Chad Khan could have removed him today even, but with concern of how messy it can get if that got to lawyers. And, yeah, there could be cause here. But the best alternative that Jacksonville uh, – there were meetings, obviously. So I'm sure the discussion of removing Urban Meyer has happened. And their best decision and best thought process behind this is let's go forward with the guy we hired for the job. And if he can start winning, we got to believe he won't do this again. And if he does, well, then, okay, you have, you have no choice. I don't think he'll do this again. But why did he do it in the first place? Why did this even have to happen? Wasn't a smart move. He admitted it wasn't smart. And it's just a a coach that already, I don't think, had all the buy-in possible from his roster. Now has just put himself and the organization in a really, really difficult spot. So we'll keep our eye on that as that story uh, still has legs, so to speak. And we'll see where that ultimately, ultimately goes. All right, first break for us. Again, one hour from now, Greg Vaughn, former former Major League Baseball player, will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the postseason, which gets underway today. Also today, in the 5 o'clock hour, your chance to win tickets to see the Eagles when they come to Golden One Center on October 12th. Just coming up. For tickets and more information, visit khdk.com. When we come back, we mentioned the NBA and the GM survey. What do the GMs think of the Kings and who actually registered on their radar? We'll let you know. That's next here on KHDK. Right back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Greg Vaughn, join us one hour from now. We've got the NFL Top 5, Bottom 5 coming up in our next hour as well and a much deeper dive into the Sacramento Kings takeaways from preseason game number one but wanted to hit you with uh, some notes from the nba gm survey which was released today that's when the general managers from across the league are polled in several different i think it's almost 50 different topics and questions and we'll give you a few of those and see where the kings landed on on a couple of these we start which with one of the things that i thought would be a little bit more even but i thought it would come down to two teams and eh, it kind of did the one that was asked which team will win the NBA Finals in 2022. 72% right now are saying the Brooklyn Nets. And so much of that is going to be contingent on Kyrie Irving to me. Kyrie, if you heard the news today, uh, Kyrie is not going to be allowed to practice at all in Brooklyn or New York. They have that. You know, we were worried about games. Now we can't even practice. They were, The team had training camp in San Diego, so he was there for that. Couldn't make media day because he wasn't allowed in the facility and had to do that via Zoom. So I know Steve Nash and everybody kind of involved with the Nets have said, 
we're almost whole. We don't have everybody. We're going forward, and we will support him when the decisions are all made and finalized. Now, we know Wiggins since has uh, at least got the one vaccine shot, so he's able to kind of go forward. And um, still no word on Kyrie. But anyway, the Nets, 72% of the votes. The Lakers, 17. And Milwaukee had 10 last year. The Lakers were overwhelming favorites at 81% and uh, did not obviously win uh, the championship. Some others of interest. Who will win the 2021-2022 Kia MVP? Uh, the most votes in a close race, 37% to Kevin Durant. Number two, Luka Doncic at 33%. The league so badly wants to give him the award. They just do. I'm sorry, I was working on something. Did you say most likely to win a hot dog eating contest? I did not. Oh. What's this for? Uh, MVP. <laughs> For Luka Doncic. Okay. <laughs> Second most votes at 33%. Giannis, then 13%. Embiid and Harden tied. Curry in there as well. Last year, Giannis got the most votes. Um, Luka's great. He's, he's great. really, really good. Yeah, they have to win more games. And here's a major problem I have with Luka. Is it seems like there are people that are so readily available to give him an excuse for why the Mavericks are losing. Yeah, and you know, something I could see happening this year for him, I could see him averaging a triple-double and people going crazy, which it is significant. Yeah. It is impressive. Why wasn't it anymore for Russell Westbrook? The past, the Every first year, time it was. The first time was incredible. And after that, it was, oh. Well, we've seen that. Well, he, Luca hasn't done that yet, and then when he does, it's incredible. Yeah. So uh, Dallas is going to have to win more for me. He's great. That, that's not the question. He is definitely on the MVP list. I think Durant's going to win a ton of games. Giannis will win a ton of games. Embiid will be a big factor. Curry had a great year. Luca's on the list. I just don't I think he's second. I can't call Luca great. Okay. You don't get the title great if you get swept by the Sacramento Kings. In a regular season? Yeah. Luca still got that on his resume. He's still got there. So that's your MVP list. Uh, the, the interesting one, too, the very next one, if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? Luca was first at forty three percent. Then Giannis at forty. Um, I would I would flip that for sure. I would take Giannis. I'd still think about some of the. I mean, I'd still think about Durant. I'd still think about LeBron. Um, I know people go long term. LeBron's been on so many different four teams, right? He's bounced like these guys move around. And if you could have a player that's great for the next three years, your your organization's gonna be just fine. But interesting, that's uh, Luca's number one there. Uh, let's see. Let's move down to see where the Kings register on any of this, or at least some of the positions. Who's the best point guard in the NBA? Steph Curry, easy choice there at 57%. Who's the best shooting guard? James Harden got that one. Uh, Who's the best small forward? Kevin Durant. Who's the best power forward? Giannis. And who's the best center? Right now they say uh, Nikola Jokic. What's interesting is Luka ends up on a couple of different categories there as far as point guards and shooting guards. So do several people. They they just know clear-cut positions the best offseason moves overall goes to the Miami Heat at 40 47 percent I do think they had a good offseason so now let's try to find where the Kings they haven't registered in just about any of these categories getting any votes uh, until we go to who will win the 2021-2022 rookie of the year Jalen Green gets the most votes from Houston I think he's gonna be able to pad some stats there uh, Cade Cunningham in Detroit I'm a big fan of Jalen Suggs with uh, Orlando also receiving votes Davion Mitchell Sacramento Uh, so you see him there which rookie will be the best player in five years 
Number one, Evan Mobley in Cleveland. Cade Cunningham, number two. Jalen Suggs, three. Or excuse me, Jalen Green, three. Jalen Suggs, four. Davion Mitchell at number five. So the Kings show up there on a couple of categories. The next time the Kings show up anywhere in any category I thought was interesting was in the coaching position, and this one would be assistants. Who was the best assistant coach in the NBA? And uh, Kenny Atkinson for the Warriors and Darvin Ham in Milwaukee get that. This is really split up, but getting votes is Mike Longabardi, one of the new assistants in Sacramento with the Kings. He's kind of running the defense there. So we'll see him. He's bounced around the league a little bit. The Kings getting some votes in that particular category. And then a couple other spots of the 50 or so questions that were asked. Finally, the Kings get a number one selection. Is it, is it the one that I said? Which is? Most improved? Um, no. Oh, okay. Which player is the fastest with the ball? Fox. In a landslide, De'Aaron Fox, 59%. John Morant, 24%. Russell Westbrook, 14%. Ish Smith is really fast with the ball. He is at 3%. So those are the, basically most of the things that the Kings end up in. There was one more category that I had seen someone from Sacramento represented. Um, oh, yeah, it was back to coaching. Which active player will make the best head coach someday? Number one on the GM survey, Chris Paul. You had Rondo in there, T.J. McConnell, but receiving votes, Sacramento's Harrison Barnes. I don't think Rondo would be a good head coach. Um, Yeah, it's about the community. He totally yeah. understands the oh, game. Oh, yeah, he might be like one of the smartest basketball players ever. Uh, it's like he's three plays but, ahead. Yeah, what it almost Could sounds like it? when you talk to him, yeah. it's like he knows what everyone is supposed to do, and you're supposed to know that too. Right. Chris, Jason, you guys do that, and like we're going, wait, what? And he's like, no, when you – he can see it, and we can't. Can he communicate what he's seeing? And I, I, I'm with you. I don't know that he can. Um, and sometimes it is hard for a player that made it look easy. We've seen Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. They were some of the greatest ever. And it's like, well, do what I did. Yeah, okay. You're one of the greatest of all time. It's not that simple. Um, but some can communicate it better than others. And I, overall, I'm, I wasn't really too shocked by some of the developments on this list. And... It's going to lead up actually to our next segment, which I think is going to be interesting. I think last week when uh, Katie was here, we were talking about ESPN's list of the top 100 players. Well, CBSSports.com also has a list of the top 100 players. It's a little bit different, and there's more representation for the Sacramento Kings, and it's even broken down by how many players each team has in the top 100 and the way they have it listed would actually give you a lot of optimism about the Sacramento Kings. We're going to explain that when we come back, and still to come in the 4 o'clock hour as well, back to the NFL and what went wrong with the Raiders last night and our NFL Top 5, Bottom 5. More for us to get to as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Kings will be back in action tomorrow. Game you can be heard right here on KHDK. 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30 tip-off. Kings and the Clippers from Los Angeles. So preseason game number two. More more thoughts on Sacramento coming up at 5. Some player and a coach reaction as well. Uh, Kings traveling today. Quick turn, a quick trip to Los Angeles. And then uh, preseason game number two, like we said, tomorrow. Baseball 
Postseason begins tonight. Fenway Park, Yankees, Red Sox. Game one, winner moves on. Loser is out. And that rivalry uh, gets another, kind of gets another story written to that uh, book of just legendary moments between the Red Sox and the New York Yankees. But the Kings, uh, last week, I said, you know, Katie was here. I can't believe the blunder we had during the show. We were trying to figure out the top five players from ESPN's list. And, oh, we only forgot number one, which was Kevin Durant. But once we came to our senses and kind of uncovered everything, we, we understood their list for the most part. Now, what I was trying to make sense of and, and maybe create, I don't know if this creates optimism for the Sacramento Kings when a team that hasn't made the postseason since 2006, the longest drought in basketball. Uh, only the Mariners in all of sports have a longer drought. But the CBSSports.com created their own top NBA 100 player list. And uh, what was interesting to me is they also did it by team. So where in the top 100, how many teams had X amount of players on the list? So when I was looking at it that way, it, it kind of jumped out at me for this reason. And, and I'd be curious how you guys internalize this as well so the team that had six players in the top 100 so the most of any team in the nba was portland and i look at their list and of course you go yeah damian lillard of course they had him at 11 cj mccollum at 39 covington at 78 norman powell 82 might have norman powell higher than that larry nance jr a new addition at 91 and yusuf nurkic at 93 that's the only team in the league that had six players in the top 100. Okay. Now, if we go to the other extreme, there were some teams that had just one player in the top 100. OKC with Shea Gilgis Alexander at 31. Houston had Christian Wood in there with 54. DeJounte Murray in the Spurs, just one player. Colin Sexton in the Cavs, just one player. And the Magic, Jonathan Isaac. That's it. So if I look at that and you go the Magic, Cavs, Spurs, Rockets, and Thunder, that's five teams. You would hope, okay, well, I feel like the Kings are better than those teams going in, but that's a small list, five teams. There's a couple teams with just two players in the top 100, and that's the Wizards and the Pistons with Jeremy Grant and Cade Cunningham already in there and Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie. So now that's up to seven teams. Now let's hit the teams that have three players in the top 100. And this list is a lot larger. The Grizzlies, the Timberwolves, the Mavericks, including Luka there at five, Hornets, Raptors, Pelicans, Clippers. Yeah, Clippers with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Marcus Morris. The Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. And the Lakers, LeBron at two, AD at 10, and Westbrook at 38. That's nine more teams. So you take those nine, plus the previous seven I mentioned, that's 16. That leaves 14 teams. You know how many teams make the postseason? Well, 16 in the top eight, there's the play-in games. So are they suggesting, just based on top 100 players, that the Kings are a playoff team? They didn't state it that way, but when you look at it, it makes you wonder. Now the Kings are on the list of teams with four players in the top 100, and there's seven of those. Uh, let's see the teams that have three. Uh, you've got about five teams there, six teams there with five players. And we mentioned the Blazers, the teams with five players, the Sixers, Knicks, Suns, Hawks, and Jazz, along with the Pacers, 
That list the Kings are with. Warriors, Nets, Bucks, Bulls, Heat, Nuggets, and the Kings. Here's what they said about the Kings. The Kings have been in per- perpetual rebuild mode, but after hitting on the draft selection of Halliburton, the natural progression of Fox and Holmes, and the veteran leadership of Barnes, Sacramento could finally break its 16-year playoff drought if it manages to get to the play-in tournament. At the very least, Sacramento can relish in the fact that the duo of Halliburton and Fox could be the backcourt for years to come for the Kings, and that should be exciting in itself. Here's how they rated the Kings. Now, remember, we told you what the Kings rated on the ESPN list. Buddy Heald was in the 50 range. Buddy Heald's not even on this list of the top 100. At 89, Harrison Barnes. At 87, Rashawn Holmes. Tyrese Halliburton is in there at 63. And De'Aaron at 33. And that's what I was talking about in the offseason about the Kings in all the years that I've covered them since gosh, 1994. And there's a lot of losing seasons in there with minus the, the great eight year run. This off season was the first time that I can remember liking a roster as much as I did. That didn't make the playoffs. I could see arguments to move players. Again, don't get it confused. It wasn't like this roster is perfect. But I thought there were legitimate building blocks that this team could capitalize on and utilize and go forward and grow. Now, I will say, to be honest with you, I'm a little surprised that Buddy Heald and maybe even Marvin Bagley are still on the team. But they are, and they're going to be pieces of what they're doing for no matter how long that is, if that's a few months or the rest of their careers. I I don't know. I can't guess that timetable. I would have thought those guys would have been moved. They haven't been. And you could tell they're going to be a part of what this team is going to do, at least at the beginning of the season. But even guys like Terrence Davis, I wanted to return. Mo Harkless, I wanted to come back. Holmes, I was glad they kept. That's rare to say for a team that didn't make the playoffs, that didn't make the play-in game. But you see Fox who's returning, Halliburton who's returning, Holmes and Barnes in this list for the top 100. The other one that we gave the other day, uh, take out Holmes and Barnes and put in Buddy Heald. ESPN had three in there. CBS has four in there and an extra player. Marvin Bagley has top 100 potential. And I think a lot of people are excited about what Davion Mitchell can become. So I don't know, Chris, this is the, one of the weirder times for me on this team that usually when it's a bad team, it's like, ah, they, they can move it all. If, they, if this offseason they trade everybody, that's fine. I didn't feel that way this year. So if they don't make the playoffs, it's a failure. This year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say so. Because I can't imagine... It's bad that that's where we're putting our... Well, I mean, so many teams make it. And it barring... I, I, Do you know what really is bad? Huh. Is because everyone says the same thing about last season. They really could have made the play-in game if they didn't have those two nine-game losing streaks. That's true. But, I mean, they also had them. Had them. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> not like... 18 games in a row. That wasn't um, bad luck. That was bad basketball. Um also, what hurt, like as they're making that run, Fox goes down, and then at the end, yeah, and then Halliburton goes down. Yeah, I would say it would be a disappointment. The only way I would say it wouldn't, and I don't think this will happen. What was, I don't know how many years ago this happened, but were the top eight seeds all were fifty wins and above, and I think there was like a forty nine win team that didn't make it. And you're like, okay, that's that's a really good season. We haven't seen the Kings in that area in a long time. Now that would still likely be the play in. So I, I think there's still a safety net there, 
But barring some sort of crazy astronomical top 10 teams and the Kings are above 500 at 46 wins and they were 11th, that's about the only scenario. But it would still be disappointing. I, I just can't, I can't imagine it not be. Yeah, any way they cut it, I just don't see how if they don't make the playoffs, it's, it'll feel like a failure season. So that's their goal. That's what they want to do. They think they've got the roster to do it. Now they got to prove it. We will uh, talk about the Kings more coming up at 5. When we come back, we'll jump into the NFL again. What happened to the Raiders last night? Slow start, brutal beginning, nice rally, but some things that cost them. We'll explain some key moments in the game. We'll also let you hear from John Gruden and Derek Carr as we get into our second hour here on Sports 1140 KHDK.